0: You're listening to the bear report podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming providing extensive coverage of the Chicago bears for the bear report website. The podcast is powered by overtime media. Now here's Zach and Aaron.
1: Welcome in Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report podcast, a winning edition, something we haven't had in a long time as the Chicago Bears have ended their six game losing streak and did so in blowout fashion over the Houston Texans in week 14. They're on to the Minnesota Vikings in week 15. Still on the verge of the playoff race. We'll get into that, preview the Minnesota game, recap Houston, and also have a special guest, Adam Johns of The Athletic, to talk about his new book, The Big 50, The Men, The Moments That Made the Chicago Bears, a really great read. We'll talk to him about the book and his Bears thoughts. I'm your host, Zach Pearson. I am joined this week by host Andrew Freeman, who is sitting in for Aaron Lemming, who couldn't make it this week. Andrew, how you doing, man?
2: Yeah, doing good. You know, kind of mixed emotions this week with uh, that game on Sunday. But uh, wins a win in the NFL. It's always good to see, I think, especially for this team, losing six in a row. But, yeah, just like in my personal life right now, just finishing up some Christmas shopping. I always procrastinate it to the last minute. So trying to get that done a week in advance this year and, and see how that goes. You know, hopefully get everything I need to get done for that. But otherwise, doing pretty good on that end.
1: Yeah, you and me both, man. Um, It is a hectic tie, but I'm also with you on that. It's kind of like um, conflicting almost. Like You're happy that the Bears won and ended the six-game losing streak, and I guess they do have a shot at the playoffs. They're only one game out, but also at the same time, I mean, if they're going to make moves, which I think they're at least going to make one move this offseason – you kind of want, you know, some of the losses to pile up for the draft position and the bears had a chance this week, you know, Houston was a team that was right behind them that they could have pretty much caught in terms of draft position, but now the bears are slotted to pick 15th. Obviously a lot can change, but for me, it's like, yeah, I always root for them to win. I like covering a winning team and a playoff team, but now you're looking at it as where it's like, they better win at least these next two games, and put them in a spot. And I would have liked if they would have won Minnesota and Detroit prior because they'd be sitting in a playoff spot right now.
2: Yeah. I mean, you look at it as a fan, you're always, your goal always is on Sundays to see your team win and you're always going to be rooting for that, at least from my experience, from my point of view, but there's always that voice in the back of your head. That's going to be like, okay, well, you know, maybe winning is not the best thing here long-term. Maybe we can get, you know, a couple more slots up the board to get a quarterback in this next draft. And, you know, With this Bears team, I've been kind of, if you've been following me on Twitter, I've been kind of, you know, pounding the table for a rebuild this next season. And I don't know if that's going to be the case if, uh, you know, considering how this team finishes the end of this year. But, you know, I will say it was finally good to to see this team play a well-rounded game for once. Like it wasn't just like the offense had a good game, the defense was bad like the last couple of weeks or – You know, like we've seen for the majority of the last two years, the defense being amazing, the offense being terrible, but maybe just doing just enough to win. Uh, No, in this case, the offense was great, especially in the first half, and the defense really had an awesome bounce-back game. It was really nice to see that pass rush get going Uh, once again. They got to Deshaun Watson quite a bit, and not even just the six or seven sacks they got, but just the constant pressure that they put on him. Cleo Mack had a very impactful first half, not only getting that forced fumble recovery, on the second drive of the game, I think, for the Texans. But that safety then um, was huge. Uh, that really sealed the momentum, I think, for this Bears team to where they were able to get a touchdown off of that, I think, as well. So uh, it was finally good to see that. And I, I think this is what Ryan Pace and the Bears front office and Matt Nagy kind of envisioned this team would look like this year or what at least they wanted them to look like, you know, an offense that didn't really ask their quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, to do much within the scheme. It was a lot of – Uh, Play action, safe one-read plays, a lot of uh, play action, a lot of bootlegs, a lot of easy throws, letting the playmakers go out there and make plays for him instead of forcing Trubisky to go through a lot of reads and do all that type of stuff, get the running game going a little bit better, get a big lead early, and then let the defense finish out that pass rush and that pass coverage unit. So uh, a pretty good win overall, and it was For the first time in a while, it was really fun to watch this team play. I wasn't able to watch them live, but going back and watching them, uh, just a really fun all-around game.
1: Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think this is what the Bears envisioned happening for most of the season with all three phases, you know, playing very well. And Matt Nagy said that was the first time all year that all three phases played well. Um, in terms of the rebuild, uh, you know, I'm with you, too. I think there, there has to be a move made. And, you know, right now it's kind of still a guessing game. You know, I, I've i been told that they're going to make a move, that the loss to the Lions was pretty much the big indicator that someone has to go, but then they turn around and win this week. And now it's kind of like, okay, maybe they're starting to think, you know, we can keep Matt Nagy and maybe move on from Ryan Pace. I think it just depends on who you ask. And you know, a lot of the national talking, as we've heard, Pat Fitzgerald's name caught brought up. That's really not going to happen. You know, Albert Breer was saying last night on his periscope that there could be a move made. There also couldn't be a move made. He could see it going both ways. To me, that's just kind of covering your ass and saying, yeah, you know, I don't want to be wrong. Something could happen. Something might not happen. It doesn't really feel like he knows what he's talking about. Um, It's just, I guess this is going to be a wait and see because even the local Chicago media, you know, some guys are saying that they've heard there's going to be moves made. Some are saying, you know, maybe there's not going to be any moves made and that, the bears could kind of run this back one more year before cleaning house because you really don't want to have, you know, a full rebuild, but you also don't want to have where you have, Ryan Pace is a lame duck general manager with with one year left on his deal here. So it'll be very interesting. But I mean, as it stands now, the Bears are just a game out of the playoffs. They own the tiebreaker over Arizona. So, you know, a win this week and a loss by Arizona and the Bears are sitting there at the number seven seed. And that's a matchup with New Orleans, a team that, you know, didn't have Drew Brees when they first played, but the Bears played or took them to overtime. It was a comeback fashion. I actually think Mitchell Trubisky matches up better than Nick Foles against the Saints. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Though um, before we get into our recap and, and preview of this week, let's hit our first break of the show. We'll be right back after this.
2: The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers. Outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you're listening now.
1: And welcome back to the Bear Report podcast. You know, before we hit that break, we were talking about the Bears and their playoff position. And a big reason why they're in this spot now is is that big 36-7 win over the Houston Texans. And Andrew talked about it earlier. The Bears dominated pretty much from the start. I mean, Houston had a chance to kind of climb back into this game. It was 14-7. But then the defense just took over, and we finally saw a pass rush, something that's been absent here the past four to five weeks with Khalil Mack. I mean, the Bears got to Deshaun Watson seven times. They hit him, I think it was 10 to 12 times in the game. And they pretty much did what you're supposed to do against a mobile quarterback. You're supposed to contain him, not let him escape the pocket and put the pressure on. And, you know, talking to some of the Bears' assistants, they all kind of had that same, you know, theme of our game plan was – keep Watts in the pocket you know he's going to try to extend plays he's got the three to four seconds he's going to add on a couple you know one or two more seconds we have to limit that and I think they did a pretty dang good job and it was backed a lot by that pass rush
2: yeah they, they looked fantastic in this in this game and you know some of that is kind of due to the fact that the Texans they don't really have the best offensive line you know Laramie Tunsil's awesome at left tackle uh, but outside of that it's really a patchwork unit overall and it's really been the story for the, the Texans ever since Deshaun Watson joined the team. And when you combine that with the fact that Watson likes to hold, hold on to the ball quite a bit and extend plays and run around a bit in the backfield to make some you know, big plays happen, uh, that's going to lead to a lot of opportunities for sacks. And we saw that uh, as the game went along and as the Bears were able to extend their lead and, and the Texans were forced to be able to pass the ball more, uh, we really saw, saw that pass rush really come alive there especially in the second half you know Roquan he had two sacks in this one Mario Edwards got two sacks in this one so really great stuff to see those two guys produce uh my favorite one to watch was the safety with Khalil Mack because it was really interesting what Pagano did schematically on that one uh he kind of lined up Roquan Smith uh like he was covering the wide receiver I think it was on, on the two wide receiver side and basically what it was it wasn't really like a stunt, but uh, it was basically set up for Khalil Mack to be one-on-one with the guard where that's that's a clear mismatch. And Roquan's taking the left, the right tackle out of the equation then on that play on that blitz. So that was a really uh, nice design there from Chuck Pagano. And I wish he'd be, you know, more aggressive in doing more of that stuff earlier in the year. You know, there's some interesting funky formations that he'll pull out every once in a while, but he just never really goes back to them consistently. And, you know, Pagano, he's one of those coordinators where he likes to rely on his talent to, you know, win the games for him instead of scheming his way around the talent to really get the most out of them. And um, they've struggled over the past couple of weeks because of that, because he's relying on the four-man pass rush to get there. And this week, he was a lot more aggressive in uh, scheming up pressures, bringing the blitzes, uh, you know, bringing fake pressure, as so to speak, where he's going to act like he's rushing guys, but really he's dropping them out and uh, bringing in different types of players from different areas and um, overall just a lot of great stuff I think schematically from Pagano uh, they were able to hold up on the back end you know Houston they had a couple of injuries at wide receiver so I think that helped quite a bit you know the Bears were able to be sticky in, in pass coverage of and man-to-man and uh, that was super helpful because you know they were down a cornerback uh, Duke Shelley got his first start there so I thought he looked pretty good as well so overall just a lot to like from this defensive performance Uh, You know, they bended a little bit in this one, but at the end of the day, seven points to seven points, and uh, they didn't really give up anything in garbage time either. So just an all-around, just a kick-ass performance from them, and uh, that's really what we expected all year long, and it was really refreshing to see after the last two weeks. I'm sure they really got that bad taste from Green Bay and Detroit out of their mouth after this one.
1: Yeah, and it all kind of tied in together. I mean, when you have a really good pass rush, it makes things easier on your secondary, makes things easier on your linebackers. And I think we saw that. I was very intrigued by what Pagano was doing, sending the blitz early, um, against Deshaun Watson we saw in the first drive he sent that blitz on third down and it forced Watson to have to get the ball out quicker than he wanted to and you know the play was incomplete but Eddie Jackson had a chance there for an interception and that's kind of what you want and that continued for most of the game like you mentioned Roquan Smith had a big game especially with that blitz and also in coverage as well I mean he's been fantastic this season playing at an all pro level and it's like you know the Bears aren't really in a national spotlight right now because they are you know, six and seven and kind of on the outside looking in for a playoff run. But, you know, if they were a little better and were a playoff team currently, Roquan Smith would be making all the headlines across the country. He's just been that good. And then you look in that secondary, I mean, Duke Shelley st- st- um, stepped up in, in place of Buster Screen. And then, you know, late in the game when Jalen Johnson had to go and go out and not return, Kendall Vilder, the rookie, got some reps there. And, and you know, it helped out that the Bears' pass rush was dominant because they weren't both tested too, too much. But when they were, I mean, both made plays. I, I spotted a couple um, nice coverages there by um, Shelley and Vilder. So that's something to monitor because it, the Bears could cut Buster grind this year, this offseason, to kind of free up some cap space. Flipping it over to the offense, man, they're actually running the football. Well, I won't say they, they, they're running it consistently because they did kind of go away from the run when they were up big, but man, they got off to a fast start that, with that long run by David Montgomery as a touchdown. And then the offense, you know, essentially put up 30 points there in the first half, only six in the second half, which kind of worries me because that third quarter bit them in the ass again, but man, they just look more well-tuned. And I think now we have to ask ourselves, Did Matt Nagy kind of pull a plug on Mitchell Trubisky this season too early? I'm not saying the Bears would be, you know, 12-1 and or 10-3 and or anything crazy like that. But I think they might have been able to win that Minnesota game. They might have been able to win a couple more, maybe Tennessee. It's just that move now to trade for Nick Foles looks worse and worse because you gave up a fourth-round comp pick, and you kind of went to him, and he did win you the Atlanta game. You know, he won you the Tampa Bay game, but – you know, since then, he's just been really bad, and I have to wonder if Matt Nagy kind of pulled the plug a little too early this year.
2: Yeah, he, here's where I'm at in the quarterback situation because it's interesting because when I look at the way that this offense has been designed this year, it's completely different than what we've seen out of Nagy's offense his first two years in Chicago. It's a lot more of under center, outside zone, play action, bootleg action, um, basically a lot of stuff to simplify things for the quarterback and get him on the move and get, get him outside the pocket. And you mentioned the Nick Foles trade, not looking the greatest, obviously in retrospect, it looks even worse when you consider that this was the direction they were going in all along. It seems like for this offense to work around Trubisky yet, they go out and they trade for someone in like Nick Foles, who is the complete opposite in the fact that he can't really run that type of system. He's not mobile enough to be able to run those bootleg actions and to be able to work under center, that, that's just not his game. You know, Nick Foles is a guy that works best, you know, in a spread out system where he can predetermine where he's going before the snap, uh, use a lot of RPO, a lot of quick passes, and then that sets up the deep shots down the field eventually. And you need an offensive line that can protect him in the pocket to allow that to happen. If you don't have an offensive line, uh, we saw it, you know, over the last few games before he got injured against the Vikings, it just doesn't work because he can't move. He can't extend plays. And, you know, I don't think Trubisky is any better in that aspect because his pocket presence is so poor. Um, But he does have the athletic ability to, you know, get on the run, make a lot of nice throws on the run as well, on those bootlegs and those rollouts. Uh, That's where he he has a clear advantage over Nick Foles. And we've been seeing this all year long, even with Nick Foles at quarterback, that's a huge part of what they wanted to do on offense this year. So, again, it makes no sense from the standpoint of schematically Nick Foles just wasn't a great fit for that type of scheme. I know he's a great fit for what Matt Nagy would ideally like to do. And I I know the coaching staff has a lot of confidence in him, a lot of faith in him. Uh, But again, if they're going in this direction all year long, it just made no sense whatsoever. But in terms of like whether they pulled the plug too early, I'm, I don't know. I I go back and forth on it because I I just don't think it radically would change the, the direction of the season very much. Me personally, because you know, let's just say Mitch Trubisky, he, he stays in for the remainder of the Atlanta Falcons game. Well, they probably don't win that one because Trubisky was clearly struggling in that Falcons game for some reason, just wasn't able to make it work against that god-awful secondary they have there in Atlanta for whatever reason. And Nick Foles, he was able to figure it out right away. Uh, even though it didn't result in points right away, he figured it out. They were able to move the ball a lot more effectively once he got in there, quarterback. So I don't think they win Atlanta I don't think Trubisky wins that game against Tampa Bay. I just think the pressure would have been too overwhelming for him in that one. Um, You know, the the Buccaneers were bringing it the heat with that pass rush all game long. And I just don't think with the lack of a running game that that would have worked with Trubisky because Trubisky is the type of quarterback that he needs a running game to kind of balance things out for him and make things a little bit easier. I I do think you have a point though. They, They probably win one of Tennessee or Minnesota, especially Minnesota. Um, I can see them definitely winning that one with Trubisky at center. But, again, does it really make a much that much of a difference? I, I don't know. I, I think one of the reasons why we've seen the offense take off over the last couple of weeks or so is, you know, one, like I said before, the scheme aspect of it, Mitch Trubisky is just a better fit for what they wanted this offense to be this year. Um, but, two, I mean, look at the defenses that they've played. The Packers, I mean, they didn't really do anything on offense until, like, garbage time essentially in terms of putting up actual points uh they move the ball much better against the Packers but uh Trisky made a couple of really bad decisions in that one to kind of tank things there uh, when the game was still in play but you look at the Lions and the Texans I mean these are two of the three worst defenses in, in football probably so how much of that is really translatable to the remainder of the season I'm not sure because Nick Foles I mean he had a skids row of Dominant defenses, well, not I wouldn't say dominant, but uh, much better defenses than what Trubisky has played this year. So I think you have to take that into account. Um, I don't know. I, I think we'll get a better idea of it, you know, considering what will happen this upcoming week against the Vikings. I think if Trubisky looks good against the Vikings and this offense continues to hum and look better um, against a defense that is a lot better, a lot more well coached than the previous two defenses, uh, then I think you can make some more of a better determination of the quarterback situation and what that meant for that's the switch earlier on in the year. Because if Mr. Risky looks good, um, then you can probably question that benching decision earlier in the year and say, okay, maybe they should let this thing play out a little bit more.
1: Yeah, I do agree. I think, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword. You can look at it both ways and, you know, I think Trubisky is a better fit for the style that Matt Nagy wants to run. And, you know, me thinking this long term, it's kind of like, you know, now you're going to go into next year with Nick Foles on this roster. I mean, it's 95% chance that you're, he's going to be on this roster next year. Do you, and you're paying him a lot, a lot of money, would you have rather gone that route and and you know maybe draft a quarterback because they might it's not even a guarantee that they draft one in the first round either I mean if one of the guys they like's not there if Mac Jones is gone Zach Wilson um maybe Trey Lance some, someone like that I could see the Bears maybe waiting to the second round or maybe just not taking one early at all you go oh, oh tackle and you still have Nick Foles on the roster you know maybe they should have just kind of not traded for Nick Foles and just kind of just decided hey we're going to push the reset button maybe we'll franchise tag Trubisky if if he somehow you know blows up the season now this is all thinking in the off season, not thinking right now but to me it's just like now the Nick Foles trade just looks worse and worse and barring any injury we're not going to see him the rest of the year maybe we'll see him if the Bears are eliminated against you know Green Bay but Man, they gave up a lot, and they had to pay him a lot of money next year, and that's not a good thing for a team that's going to be hamstrung with cap issues and potentially maybe looking at a new general manager. Andrew, let's get into our interview with uh, Adam Johns. He covers the Bears for The Athletic. He talked to us about his new book, The Big 50, The Men and the Moments that Made the Chicago Bears. Really good interview with Adam. We'll pick it up after this interview, and we'll come back to, re- or to preview the game against Minnesota and wrap things up. And now joining us here on the Bearport podcast, he covers the Chicago Bears for The Athletic, and he's also got a brand new book out, The Big 50, The Men, The Moments That Made the Chicago Bears. Please welcome in Adam Johns. Adam, how are you doing, man?
3: Good. Zach, what's going on, my friend?
1: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, kind of different to see you here. Usually we see each other in Bears press conferences, but... Hope you're doing well. And I, I, are you like me on
3: those Zoom calls where you just like enjoy like creeping on like everybody as they do things in their own rooms?
1: Dude, I like scroll <laughs> through them all. That sounded <laughs> bad on my part, but <laughs> No, I scroll through. them You know them what all. I mean? Yeah, it's it's a blast, dude. It's uh we have to make the most out of the situation. So um, but yeah, Andrew's here as well. So we'll interview about your book and get some insight here on uh the Chicago Bears. And kind of my first thing I want to ask you about this book, The Big Fifty, man, how did it come about and how much fun did you have writing it?
3: So it took me about a, a year and a half. And I want to say some of the funnest, the funnest part for me was interacting with guys who have been around the team forever, whether it's old recruits, Patrick Manley, you know, being on the phone with Charles Tillman for, for 45 minutes, or having burgers with like, like a Jared Payton talking about his father. Like that stuff is cool. Like, like really, really cool. It's, it's getting, you know, Hamp. You know, and OB on the phone and hearing their stories. It's, it's talking to Gary Fencek about the letter he wrote to, to George Halas um, asking for Buddy Ryan to stay. It, it was just cool to revisit a lot of those things and find new angles on a lot of the different things. So, um, yeah, it took about a year and a half. Um, I was happy that I was able to work with Triumph Books on it. And, yeah, it's just – it was a lot of fun. I always wanted to have this career experience.
2: And I've got to say just a huge fan as a sports like history nut. I mean, this is just Holy grail. If you're a bears fan for getting some of those interesting nuggets about this team and the history, getting some insight on some of the greatest players and figures to kind of be a part of this franchise. So I was just kind of wondering, you talked about how, you know, it was cool to talk to so many people involved with the history of this team, you know, for me, what was your favorite story to dig into for this and kind of learn about, you know, was there something that you weren't really aware of before going into this, or maybe didn't know all the details to? then, you know, got a little bit more information on that. Uh, You know, what was something on one of these past legends discussed in the book that uh, you were one of these stories that just really intrigued you in this. this So, uh,
3: and thanks for your compliments, Andrew. I I went into this, extremely open-minded but also with the goal of of having a focus on some of the the more recent guys like I knew I'd go at on on and on about Jay Cutler like I I knew Olin Krutz, Lance Briggs, Brian Urlacher, Devin Hester like those guys deserve their own chapters Um, I don't think their stories at least in different details um, have been fully told so it was good to revisit things about them I thought I got some pretty cool anecdotes About Owen Krutz because you always hear about Owen Krutz stories. You know he's 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 out there sometimes. You know he's kind of a crazy guy, fun guy to be around. Um, To get some of those stories were pretty cool. So I I went into it pretty open minded. Uh, They have such a long history, man. Like 100 years, 100 years. Like talking about like Bronco and Red Grange. Like those guys got to be in the book, but like there's been books on those guys Mm -hmm. at, at the same time. And since then you've had. Owen Cruz, you've had Patrick Manuel. you've had Robbie Gold become the all-time leading scorer in franchise history. You've had other things come about. You've had the are who they thought they were game. You know, like he, there's mm-hmm. just different memorable moments that haven't been fully storied, I think, in book form. And I really went after some of those.
2: Yeah, as, as someone who kind of grew up on those recent Bears teams, I mean, it was really fascinating to get a kind of new perspective on those because you know, I would watch them as a kid, you know, just from the perspective purely as a fan but you kind of get to see the the ins and outs of uh, what it was like for them in that time to kind of go through that, get the extra, I remember the Devin Hester chapter was something, you know, how, I forget which, which fullback was it. He was really excited about, you know, you can take me off of offense before you take me off of special teams Cause I want to block for Devin Hester on, on kickoff and punt returns. You know, that's the type of stuff that was just really fun to kind of read about.
3: And that was Jason McKee. who was just an all around fantastic human being. Um, it's like, I, I love the interactions that I had with these guys too. You know, it's like spending 20 minutes on the phone with Devin Hester. It was having Starbucks with, with, with Jason McKee, you know, it's having a, a burger and a beer with Patrick Manley and to see those guys kind of reflect on their era, like on Lovey Smith or their first thoughts and feelings when they saw Jay Cutler come to practice and, and throw a 20 yard out, like, oh, that that that's something. I remember that story from Patrick Manley very vividly for some reason. And and just to hear, you know, some about some of the Discord too, you know, like we, we know Mark Tressman didn't work out well and, and stuff like that. But like even beyond those, like when I say open minded, like learning about like a guy like George Allen, a guy I didn't really know too much about. Um, but once you start talking to people, you start doing your research, like, oh. This guy made the Bears. He had his moments, yeah. you know, to play off the title They're Like, oh, you know, he was special to a lot of the Bears' best players. Might have to give him his due. Um, that was kind of unique to have stories come about that way. To Even talking to Doug Plank, like, you know, I'm going to do something on Buddy Ryan, but what if I kind of just change it? You know, everybody knows Buddy Ryan. Let's focus on Doug Plank's place as literally the number 46. In his defense And and then like Oh yeah It was a safety If you think about it Like That stuff's kind of cool Just uh, To to revisit Famous storylines In history But uh, From a different angle Like you know Doug Plank Through Buddy Ryan's story
1: And you covered a lot man I mean like you said You went back You covered even new stuff too With the Trubisky trade All of that stuff Was there anything That maybe you had to leave out That you kind of Didn't want to leave out Or anything that maybe Didn't make the list
3: Yeah 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 There was um like, when I got down to the, the Bronco Nagurskis and, and the Red Granges of the world um, and some of those moments of those, like, 1920 teams, which mm-hmm. were, look, the, the NFL doesn't exist without the Bears yeah. being who they were back then. And it's trying to find ways to story them um, differently, like trying to story Sid Luckman differently. Um, what, what I did, what I thought was pretty cool, was, was going through the old – chicago tribune and chicago sun times chicago daily news archives and it was actually kind of cool to see how they wrote back then you know what i'm talking about like it's just different yeah. than how sports writing is now so it was kind of cool to see that and actually quote that i wouldn't just quote like the, the players from that era like grab quotes from their stories i wanted to quote their actual writing at one point I'm like this is wow. kind of cool like we don't write like this, at least not all yeah. the time anymore. Just just so dramatic and how visual they had to be because not everybody saw it on TV. Radio was the thing. You know, that was pretty, you know, as a writer, pretty special to me to actually experience that. There yeah.
2: don't nicknames like the, the Galloping Ghost anymore. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. Right? Like, I, I get Windy City Flyer is cool, but like... <laughs> Like, uh, like what's the, the, the Iceman? Like, um, um, there, there was another one, um, the Wheaton Iceman. I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on it. I should have my book next to me or something like that. But like, it was cool. Like even they talked to Jared Payton
1: yeah.
3: about like, Hey, Jared, what was your favorite run by your father? And him just getting all, you know, Jared is like, he gets so passionate about that type of stuff. And it, it was just a cool, unique experience
1: talking football, talking about the Paytons with the Paytons. Yeah, you don't really get to do that much. I mean, I'm grateful I've gotten to talk to Jarrett plenty of times, and it's like I never take it for granted because he's got so many great stories. Um, and I actually noted that one about about Walter, his favorite run of Walter, and that's that's one of my favorite chapters in the book early on. Um, but I want to ask this. We all know, man, the Bears franchise really struggled at the quarterback position. Was it tough to kind of write about that in terms <laughs> yeah. of like – because you've come to the team what? seven, eight, nine years now. I mean, yeah. is it tough writing about Jay Cutler and tough writing about Mitch Trubisky and all of that?
3: See, like I, I was, I tried to be open-ended with the Jake or with the Mitch Trubisky chapter because his story is still ongoing. Like this, this book yeah. was done before this season began and to me so I focus more on the moment Like the the shock of The Ryan Pace trade up Like the the disbelief Like the, the, the who is this guy Like the, mm-hmm. the the feelings of that moment That's what I tried to focus on um, Especially there I, I had fun with the, the Jay Cutler chapter uh, Like I, I wanted to get How fans consumed him So I turned to Tom Waddle Mark Silverman from the Waddle and Sylvie show Because they had that Jay Cutler show mm-hmm. And that show kind of changed who he was in Chicago so to kind of get their their stories and their background and how Jay was for them or or how things changed when Brandon Marshall would fill in for Jay like I I thought that was cool and and it's just part of another layer of, of, of Jay Cutler that's one of the longest chapters I would say it's probably the longest chapter in the book is the Jay Cutler one number 10
1: yeah, and uh you talk to Joniak in there and you kinda ask him like his phone's going off and he's like, What the heck's going on? And I remember that day too. I was I was out somewhere like Target or something. I'm like, and my friend called me, he's like, The Bears got Jay Cutler. And this was way before I was covering the team and I was more of a fan. I was like, Oh man, the Bears got Jay Cutler. What what was kind of your reaction to that back then?
3: Yeah, I, I, what do they call it? Like one of those like lightning bolt moments, lightning yeah. in, in, you know, lightning lightning bolt moments, you know, where you just can remember exactly where you were, you know, for good moments and very bad moments. This was one of those surprisingly good moments, especially in the Chicago sports scene. So I was walking to work at the Chicago Sun-Times and I was crossing um, a bridge. I want to say it was Madison leaving the Ogilvy train station. And that's when I overheard people talking about it. I turned on the, the radio that I had. I'm like, Oh my God, this is actually happening. I started texting people. It, w- it was unbelievable. But That's my, that's my moment. I wasn't on the beach like Jeff Joniak, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, you know, I, in the relative cold, if I remember correctly in downtown Chicago.
1: Yeah. It was, it was early April. So it was probably pretty cold. Um, yeah. And that was before Twitter too. Like I think Twitter just started or just started getting big and, um yeah, you had a call and text, but what was kind of a, a story you learned that maybe you didn't know? Like what was one of your favorites that you maybe didn't have much background info on? Was it something from like the twenties, thirties or maybe relatively new?
3: Yeah, Um, uh, the George Allen one definitely stands out. Um I thought it was cool to get into the details about that Gary Fensick letter that the one that he wrote to George Hallis. Um with a lot of players' signatures on it. Um, Dan Hampton, for example, is included in that letter where they actually went to bat for Buddy Ryan to stay f- when, when Mike Ditka yeah. was hired. And to talk defensive about it, like how it was, how it came to be. And, and not only that, like, then, then he tells me a story. You know, get this, Adam, I was cleaning out my garage the other day and I came across the letter that George Hallis wrote me back. Oh, my thanking me Thank for that. And then he reads it verbatim for me. And I'm, you know, of course, running my audio. And it's like, oh, this is great. It's getting in the book. Um it's it's sitting with Pat McCaskey up at up at Hallis Hall while it's being remodeled and just having a McCaskey side of things, you know, whether it's on Ted Phillips or um, certain historical moments because Pat McCaskey's like the team historian in a sense. So let's go through some of those were, were pretty cool. But in terms of like things I learned, um, I liked getting into the X's and O's about the forty six defense um with Doug Plank. I like hearing how George Allen just became very, very detailed with the Bears game plans for that nineteen sixty three championship team. I thought that was fascinating. And then yeah, it's the the Gary Fensick stories about how Buddy Ryan remained with the team.
1: Got it. Um, if you don't mind, if we could just maybe talk a little bit about the Bears this year, because I know a lot of our listeners um, on the message on the Bearport message board, they always like go to your stuff too, and they're always like, "Oh, Adam, we've always wanted to have Adam on this perfect opportunity." Um, I mean,
3: it's a good week for it. You know? It is. Couple weeks ago, yeah, a couple, it weeks,
1: ago, it yeah, a couple <laughs> weeks ago it would have been yeah rough, but um, so what? Uh, I mean, as of right now, you know, we got three games left, and we're sitting here. What has kind of, for you, been the biggest storyline this season of kind of what's gone wrong for this team?
3: It, it's, it's the whole, call it the Mitch Trubisky saga, from <laughs> bringing in Nick Foles to beating Nick Foles in the quarterback competition that we all watched, right? Yep. At, at I think you were just like, you know, Hogan I, Zach, like yeah. Trubisky was the better player. And then all of a sudden, week three, benched. And never coming back. Yep. <laughs> right? It's, it's the Nick Foles show, and, and Foles is just – he was bad. Yeah. Right? Dak, Angie, like, he, he was bad. And there, there was just no energy with the team. And then here's Foles getting hurt, and here's Mitch Trubisky coming back. And all of a sudden, he outplays Deshaun Watson. And, and yeah. just what a story. What a turnaround. It, it could be Fools gold. The Texans are bad. But the storyline of this season is what happened to Mitch Trubisky whether that's him getting benched or Matt Nagy benching him and, and maybe benching him too long. That to me is what sticks out about this season.
2: Yeah. That, that kind of plays into the, the other narrative. I think that's kind of important here is that what happens with Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy now at this point. And I, I kind of, I, I've been kind of going over this in the back of my head, just looking at scenarios of what could happen here over the next three games or so of the year that we have left. So, you know, what, what do you think will be needed for, you know, it's been a lot that a rebuild might be needed for this team, but what do you, what do you think would need to happen for Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy for both of these guys uh, to stay for 2021?
3: See, I went into that Houston game thinking, like, this is immensely important. This is the quarterback you passed up. They are one of the worst teams yep. in the NFL. They fired their coach slash general manager in Bill O'Brien. You just lost to a team in your own division that just fired their general manager and head coach. If you lose this one, like, there's no coming back. Like, it was already, you know, trending in that direction. And then they go out and pummel the Texans. Like, Deshaun Watson sacked six, six times, seven times overall for the Texans. And the narrative does change. Now, is it fool's gold? Yeah, maybe. It's one game against the Texans, but Mitch Trubisky played really well. This team did not quit. That that game was full of signs of fight, of no quit, whatever you want to say. They played hard for Matt Nagy again. Now, some of that's on the players, but some of that goes to the coaching too. We all, we, we've seen teams quit for Bears coaches before. It happened with Mark Chessman and it happened with John Fox. That's not happening here right now. So we'll see what happens over the next three weeks. If they lose all three, yeah. No way there's no going back. Like it's, it's, it's over the team quit again. And, and your quarterback's not playing well. Matt Nagy's lost his messages, all that clean house, eat the money that Nagy and pace have on their contracts. But I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen. I, I, I really don't. Even like a seven and nine finish mm. like that might be good enough for one more crack at this for Nagy and pace.
1: And I guess, you know, my final one, um, you brought up Mark Trussman, man. And I wanted to ask you, you know, a lot of people say that, you know, man, Nagy's lost this team. He's lost this locker room. I don't think so at all. I think, you know, the players love him. And you being around the locker room as well, I mean, you could tell the players still love him. What was it really like back then with Mark <laughs> Trestman? I've heard stories. Like, even Jeremy, who used to run the Bear reports, told me, like, it was bad,
3: bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, the, it was just a strange team to, 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 like, cover where, you know, they, they win a – Big game in San Diego, and you have Zach Miller, who has, has this outstanding game, and, and Martellus Bennett, like, can't be happy for him, or it's Brandon Marshall c- calling his own press conferences against the team's wishes. It's, it's playing out on the radio with Waddle and Sylvie. It's it's, an ESP, it's ESPN reports. It's the NFL Network reporting that, you know, they're, they're having um, what was buyer's remorse on Jay Cutler's contract. And then the team throwing Aaron Kromer a, off the bus or under the bus and both. <laughs> and, you know, they're, they're, he's issuing tearful apologies uh, to his team. It, it's Mark Tressman benching Jay Cutler in favor of Jimmy Clausen in an effort to show that his offense can work regardless of who's hit quarterback. It's, it was weird, man. It, it was, you know, when Jay Cutler almost becomes like the anti-hero that you root yeah. for in a season. I know people love them more than they, you know, than they hate them now. But like, I felt like that was a, a kind of a problem back then because you're still Jay Cutler. The wins yeah. were what they were. And yeah, this isn't even close to what was happening. They, what year was that <laughs> in, in 2014 and 2013? Yeah. Not, not even close.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've been trying to tell people. It's like, and it could get a lot worse. I don't think it will, but it could have got a lot worse. Um, Adam, Where can everyone uh, buy your book at?
3: Um, you can check it out at triumphbooks.com, uh, Barnes and Noble, if you're an old-fashioned type of guy and want to go into the store itself. But also online, Amazon is a popular place. Um, it could be on your Kindle and all that stuff. So, all the usual places. Um, yeah. Thanks a lot, and, and you know, be sure to check it out, everybody.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. Highly recommend it. Um, and then everyone can follow you on Twitter. What's your Twitter as well?
3: At- Adam Johns, J A H N S.
1: Perfect. I highly recommend everyone go out and get this book. Great reading um adam it was fantastic thank you for joining us man
3: have a good night fellas Take it easy have a good one
1: and once again that was our interview with adam johns he covers the bears for the athletic has a brand new book out the big 50 the men and the moments that made the chicago bears highly recommend it Um, both andrew and i have read it and, and gone through it it's very good very informative Perfect gift for any Bears fan, and we hope you enjoyed that interview. But now let's talk about this Minnesota game, Andrew, because the Bears sitting here at 6-7, and seven, one game out of the playoffs, behind Arizona, and they're now facing a team that just beat them about a month ago at home, um, back when Nick Foles was the quarterback, and he was pretty much one of the low points there for the Bears, or the start of the low point. You know, I think the Bears have some momentum going into this game. It's a different team. They're kind of fired up. I think this Texans game can, you know, kind of do some things for you. Okay, look, we can be what we needed to be. We still have it in us. Let's go out and put a dominating performance up. And, you know, it's a, no, they've been pretty good against Dalvin Cook um, over the past couple of years. It's just been, you know, against Minnesota last time. Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen pretty much ate him alive as they kind of matched up Thielen on screen. And I don't know if screen's going to play. Even if he does or doesn't, they'll have Duke Shelley. I fully expect the Vikings to kind of take full advantage of that matchup as well. But what are kind of your general thoughts going into this game? And and is it one that the Bears should win, or was last week pretty much a fluke?
2: Well, I I, I think – At this point, in terms of, like, tanking for draft position, I think with the Houston win, I think that it's out of the question right now. You know, you're a game outside of the playoffs. At this point, you know, with three games left in the year, how many times are we going to see this team play meaningful football in December? I think it's time to get that mindset Okay, of, like, okay, let's try and get these wins right now. Let's try and push for a playoff spot. you know, in the back of your mind, I think I'll be – had that thought of you know if we don't win these games it's not a big deal that'll help us a little bit in draft positioning but at this point probably not enough to get a franchise quarterback so i think that's out of the question so for me personally as a fan watching this you know i'd like to see them go out there and play another good game all around and get this win here and set themselves up for a better chance at making the playoffs because you know with the year as it is you, you want to see as much football as possible as much meaningful football as possible And if the Bears can squeak into the playoffs, you know, who knows? Let's see what happens there in in that scenario here. So, looking at this Vikings game specifically, um, you know, I look at them, and I think the big thing to look at here is that, like you said, the Bears' defense, I think they will do a good job of at least slowing down Dalvin Cook. They did a great job of that the last time these two teams played in Chicago. But – You know, for me, it really comes down to the offense. Can the offense get a much better performance than what they did the last time these two teams played? Because the story of the last game was the offense didn't do crap other than, like, one drive in the first half. They were really awful in that last one, just completely abysmal throughout. And it really comes down to can they continue this momentum? They've averaged 30 points per game over the last three weeks. So if they can keep that up, I think that's going to be good for
1: them going forward. Yeah. And I think, you know, you look at it and it's, can the offense be better? I mean, they, they ran the football better against Houston last week. They did go away from it though. In that second half. I mean, David Montgomery only finished with 11 carries in the game and he had six of them in the first half. They kind of went away from the run in a game that was out of hand for the entire second half and scoring only six points in that second half is a little alarming. You want to put your foot on the gas you want to make sure that, you know, there's no chance of a comeback or anything like that. So I think the offense can continue the streak. Um, Minnesota's defense isn't very good either. And it was kind of shocking not to see the Bears put up a lot of points on them in their last meeting. Now Trubisky's had a good history against his team. Um, you know, he's proven that he could beat them. I just, I'm with you. I, I think now you're at the point you won that game last week. You might as well go for the playoffs because, there's not going to really be a big difference. If you lose, you might go down to like 13 or 12. And, you know, you could even stay at 14, 15. It it just depends on what everyone else does. If you win this game, you're thinking full playoffs here. You're thinking, okay, no more tanking. Let's get in the playoffs and see what can happen. Um, They do have a favorable schedule. They have Jacksonville as well. And ideally, you want to win these next two and hope that you're either tied or have the one-game lead on Arizona um, going into that Green Bay game, because for me, this is, if you're talking playoffs, this is an elimination game for either the Bears or the Vikings. A loser is not going to be around. It's, it's going to be tough for the loser to kind of get back into this because I believe Minnesota also has Green Bay left, um, as does the Bears. So, you know, it, it's going to be a game where its if you want playoffs, it's another must-win, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping this offense can play better and consistently and I'm hoping Trubisky kind of continues to stretch because he is playing with a lot of motivation and for me it's he's a guy that's playing like he has nothing to lose he's not thinking too much out there he's kind of just in his element he's comfortable for the first time in a long time he actually looks comfortable out there playing football and and that's saying something so to kind of wrap things up Andrew um we'd like to do a prediction here and kind of something you're going to watch for. So give us your prediction and something to watch for on Sunday between the bears and Vikings.
2: Yeah, for me, I I think the bears, they have some momentum going on right now. I think they'll end up winning this one. I I feel pretty confident that the offense, they're going to continue to play at least at a competent level and the defense, I I think they'll do a much better job against Kirk Cousins in this this one. I think, you know, last game, Last time, I think they were selling out on trying to stop Dalvin Cook, and Kirk Cousins took advantage of that. Um, hopefully, with the pass rush playing a little bit better, that you know they can get after Kirk Cousins a little bit more, affect him, get you know some inaccurate balls out there, get some turnovers. I think that's very doable against a team that they've had success with over the past couple of years. Um, so, for me, I, th- I think the Bears are going to win this one. It'll be a little bit more low scoring. I think it'll probably be, probably be in the low twenties. I think for both teams here you know the minnesota they have a lot of talent at wide receiver justin jefferson's been phenomenal as a rookie so i, I think regardless of who they start at corner it's gonna be really tough uh to slow him down he's gonna make at, at some point justin jefferson's gonna make a big play and it's gonna probably swing the momentum at some point here but you know if the offense if they can you know control the tempo a little bit better run the ball effectively the, the vikings they don't have the best run defense even though they've been playing better recently uh I think the Bears, they should do a good enough job on the offensive side of the ball of keeping control of the tempo, keep the defense fresh, and let them get after it. And, and the one thing I'm looking forward to in this one is seeing uh, Khalil Mack go up against, uh, gosh, who's the right to have the Vikings? Brian O'Neill. Brian O'Neal. Uh Brian O'Neal, he's quietly one of the best tackles in football. Uh, if you've been watching him, I've been watching him over the past couple of years, his tape and. Uh, He's just phenomenal out there. Right tackle. That was a great matchup the last time these two teams played. So I'm really excited to see how that kind of works itself out. Those two, uh, it's going to be a battle all game long. So that's going to be a fun one. uh, If this kind of turns into more of a high scoring game where the pass rush will become a little bit more of a factor.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to pick the Bears as well. I think they do win this game, kind of avenge their loss earlier in the year, a couple of weeks ago. Um, for me, I'm going to be looking at Mitch Trubisky, man. Can you know he play well again? Can he continue this little hot streak here and, and get a big win and, and build this momentum? Because if he plays well, I think the Bears have a really good shot at winning. Um, I'm also looking at the run game. Don't go away from it too much, Matt Nagy. Continue with that run game. David Montgomery's been really good the past three weeks here. Stay with it. Stick with that run game. Let him be your workhorse and let him get off to a hot start. Andrew, what can everyone follow you on Twitter at?
2: Yeah, you can follow me at Twitter uh, at uh, AJFreeman25. You can also find my work at the Bear Report. And, you know, I have some stuff at YouTube for the Bear Report YouTube channel there. So if you want to see some of the work I've done in the past for that, um, I have a bunch of stuff planned for that in the offseason. So uh, definitely give that a look as well.
1: Yes, highly recommend check out his work. He does a very good job with the videos and articles on the Bear Report. Always much appreciated. You can follow me on Twitter at Zach, Zack underscore Pearson. You can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at Just Bear Report. Please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast as well as Picks for Pace. And until next week, everyone, please
4: stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that seventy-five percent of Americans are deficient in.